Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ask the Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. I'm your host, Angel Leon, Mosher's Director of Personnel. Today, we have two guests with us on Ask Anything to talk to us a little bit about the vendor-client relationship and how building trust through long-term partnerships pays dividends for everyone involved. With us today, we have Brian Gray, CIO at MetPro, and Mosher Consulting's very own Caitlin Karvasky. She's one of our senior business development managers. Brian Gray joined MetPro Group Inc. as vice president and chief information officer in February 2019 and is responsible for enterprise architecture, security, infrastructure, and all facets of application development. He previously served as Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer for Protective Insurance Corporation, Vice President and Chief Technology Officer for Admin Solutions, Second Vice President of Strategic Process and Performance for Conseco Services, and as a United States Air Force Civil Service employee. Brian holds a Bachelor's of Business Administration from Marion University and a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Notre Dame. Caitlin is a professionally persistent salesperson with 13 years of business development experience, including over six and a half years with Mosier Consulting. She lives life with a strong sense of humor and sarcasm. She and her husband of 10 years are currently playing two-on-three zone defense against three kids ages five and under. She's a proud alumni of the Ohio State University and a Peloton cult member. She thrives on building strong, trust-based relationships and helping client partners solve problems through technology. Caitlin and Brian go back several years, even before them joining their current employers, but that relationship has grown over the years and it has obviously been a good partnership for both. So first of all, let me welcome you both to Ask Any. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Angel. Appreciate it. This question, uh, either of you go ahead, when, whoever wants to go first, what can either of you tell us about the importance of the client-vendor relationship? I'll start and then Caitlin can add color. So I, it really is trust. And that sounds simple, right? We talk about trust a lot in relationships. But the fact that I can call Caitlin, tell her about a need we have, and I will know in that call whether Mosier can support me or not. We don't have false promises. And while you know sales organizations and service organizations want to do everything their customers ask and need of them, you can't always fulfill every need. So that is something that Caitlin and I have had from the beginning. After she got through my uh, whitelist email challenge uh, <laughs> to actually get to me, <laughs> we established a relationship built on trust and transparency pretty quick. And it's paid off for us. So there are some times where I call her or text her and say, hey, do you guys do such and such. And she's like, nope, sorry, not in our wheelhouse. And just saving that time and knowing that when she says yes, that I have a trusted partner, that I'm, I have a pretty good shot of getting what I need makes a world of difference. Well, thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. I'm glad that goes uh, both ways here. So yeah, I think you covered a lot of it. And I think, you know, something else worth mentioning here is oftentimes, you know, especially on kind of the, the sales side, there almost seems to be this us against them type of relationship there. And I think my best relationships are those where there's truly a partnership, right? And that partnership being built on trust and knowing, you know, hey, as Brian said, there are things we can do and there are some things that we cannot do. And, you know, kind of a short-term gain of trying to fake it till we make it can really hinder a long-term relationship and partnership. And it just isn't worth it, at least in my opinion. So you know, where I think that success and that strong relationship and strong partnership comes in is being able to, to be honest with each other, you know, and hold each other accountable throughout the process. 
you both mentioned something very important is that relationship, obviously, as we all know, or I think we all know, are supposed to go both ways. It's a reciprocal, right? Relationship. You give, you take, you give, you take. But as Brian said, I mean, he has the ability to pick up the phone and call Caitlin and say, hey, do you guys do this at Mosher? If yes is the answer, then great. He knows he's got a great partner in there. Even if it's a no, he knows that, okay, that's no harm, no foul, right? Yeah, exactly right. Absolutely. So let's go back. How do you start or grow that relationship? Cold calls, emails, no. (laughs) LinkedIn stalking. (laughs) What, What other tool would you like the business development person to throw out there? No. Brian, I don't know if you want to just start with that or if you want me to start with kind of where where I'm at. Yeah, you can start and then I'll uh, share our journey maybe. I'm interested in the whitelist challenge at some point. (laughs) (laughs) I'll hit on it. I will hit on it. Yes. You know, I think in business development, it's all about reach outs. It's all about relationships. It's all about using your network. You know, in mine and Brian's case, it really came down to a common connection, right? That was able to connect the dots for us. And Brian can talk a little bit more about that there, but it's a numbers game in sales. A lot of times you reach out to a lot of people and, you know, they don't get a lot of response. I think it comes back to the stereotype of business development just as here to bug you. And that's where I think if you can make that contact and you have that initial opportunity to put your best foot forward and show that you do bring value to the table, that is where that relationship can really start and take off is from that initial contact and how you go about it, right? If you're that person that's calling every single day at 2.30 and at 3.30 and at 3.45, you're really not going to get very far with that, right? Finding alternative ways to kind of start that relationship, I think is a good approach. I think all of my, uh, there are probably some exceptions to that from earlier in my career before I learned how to ignore my phone, that I think (laughs) most of my meaningful relationships with partners come from a third party somebody else that I know and trust and have a relationship with. That's how Caitlin and I met. Um, I mentioned the whitelist challenge. So I block all email domains by default and I add people that I know and I do business with. And Caitlin was emailing and calling occasionally. I also never answer my work phone because people that I do business with have my cell phone number and I am much more uh, responsive over text than any other means of communication. So Despite Caitlin's efforts, she got through to one of my coworkers. They met, established a rapport, and then he came to me and was like, hey, you should really talk to Caitlin. I think she can you know, bring something to the table. This isn't a typical business development. So she's not getting points for taking you to lunch and buying you coffee and calling you and emailing you. She really wants to build a relationship with you. So I think trusted partnerships, third parties that you have good relationships with that have a mutual respect or understanding what someone else can bring to the table is probably the best way. And that's actually a good segue to my next question, because sometimes those outside relationships can bring in relationships like you just mentioned, Brian, in the case of Caitlin. So she got a hold of somebody within your realm, but obviously it wasn't you, but then that person brought that relationship to you and it is what it is today. So how much do these relationships impact a possible business opportunity? And as I mentioned, even outside that initial relationship. I think they're huge. It's Caitlin and I are a perfect example of that. You mentioned in the intro, we met with prior employers. I left, she left, and we're doing business again at our new companies. 
So I think just the fact that that trusted relationship, again, a proven track record with Caitlin, I knew Mosier and had a relationship with Mosier at a prior employer as well, but having a familiar face and somebody that I could trust with a partner like Mosier Consulting that I know brings talent to the table and has capabilities that, that my company needed, gave me confidence to introduce Mosier and Caitlin to the team to say, hey, I have a partner that you guys have never heard of, but I think can help us with what we're, we're challenged with currently. And to probably add on to that, I would say, while we do have a fantastic relationship, I have zero expectations of him to choose to work with us just because of that relationship. I fully anticipate that while it might get us a seat at the table or an opportunity to bid on something, if there is a better partner there for that organization, for Brian's team, he's going to choose that other partner. He's going to provide that feedback so that we can get better. But, you know, I would fully anticipate and expect him to choose the best solution for their organization, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a differentiator too. The Some of the, the traditional or kind of stereotypical business development that just hound, hound, hound and want a deal. And if you don't win the deal, you come back and talk about the deal some more and you want to, that just gets a little bit old and we can't win every bid. We don't win every client that we quote for healthcare liability insurance, and you don't win every client quote for a service or a product offering that you have. But having that communication that says, hey, this is this is why we went with the other team. This is kind of where you guys could grow and learn. That helps both parties because then the trust just builds there. The answer is not always yes. Just like when I call Caitlin and ask her if she does something, the answer sometimes is no. And Sometimes when you put your best foot forward, the answer is still no on a bid. And that's okay. We both learn and grow from it and maintain the relationship. Right. And that's part of just growing the relationship. Even when it's an opportunity when we don't get to enter that work, it's still a growing, obviously, for us because you give the feedback. In this case, let's just use us as an example. You give us the feedback. And so for the next time that bid opens up, then we can try harder and put our best foot forward once again. But sometimes when we are chosen again, it's because of the quality of the work that we lay down. And so that's something that I know Caitlin knows very well. And obviously the people that listen to this podcast know a lot because we talk about our experts and we're always putting our experts out there. That's why they're called the experts, because they know what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's true, too. I have a lot of great friends that I have great relationships with that are in our business that I don't do business with their company because they don't have that expertise. And Caitlin, going to any company, I would still take the call and have a conversation. But going somewhere like Mosier, I know there's expertise there. So it's the relationship and the capability of the firm that she's with. And I think the, you know, another side to this too, is even when we are in the middle of an opportunity or partnering and working together, mine and Brian's relationship is in a place where I can go to him and say, Hey, here are some of the challenges that we're having, right? You know, it goes both ways. You know, we might see something on the ground that Brian doesn't see, you know, Hey, you know, we're, we're seeing an individual working a ton of hours, right? It might be something that might be behind the scenes that nobody sees. And it's like, Hey, this person might need a little bit of help or something, you know, uh, different examples like that, where we can provide that feedback and you have to have that trust in that relationship to go and say, you know, Hey, Brian, I think you should take a look at this, right? It, it might not change the outlook or their approach, but it's something for him to be aware of and being able to provide that feedback both ways. Right. Yeah. We've also had examples, you know, with Caitlin and other trusted partners where we ask for something and they come back and say, I, that's what you asked for, but here's what you really need. And this is why after 
a couple of weeks on the ground, you guys really don't need this role. You probably need a couple of these and here's why. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's not easy. I'm sure from Caitlin's standpoint, it's not easy to say, Hey, nah, you're wrong. Or Hey, you <laughs> may or may not be wrong. Yeah. So let's talk about the pandemic. How has the pandemic played a role in these partnerships? Yeah. I, less uh, beverages and food and breaking bread together and more Zoom calls and texts and phone calls. I mean, at the core, though, it, it didn't really change. And I think primarily because every relationship in our lives changed the same way at the same time. So it was easier to adjust. And I, I mean, at least for me, I say I, I feel bad sometimes saying it because I know a lot of people really suffer and, and lost their lives and careers. But for me personally, the pandemic was like a great thing, just selfishly because it forced me to take a step back. I wasn't traveling as much. I was able to connect with my wife and my neighbors. And I, it really made me reevaluate how I invest my time and energy and things that I do because it forced me to stop. And I don't stop very often to look around or think about what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I would double down on that, you know, in terms of it, it took away some of the traditional sales tools, right? Relationship building tools that were there and it forced you to go to a different modality of doing it virtually or doing it over text or a phone call. We met at a, was it the post office? I yeah. think one day to do like a, a Christmas gift exchange yeah. in the post office parking <laughs> lot as I was dropping off Christmas cards. So, you know, you could, there were still some opportunities. They were just fewer and farther between, you know, but we had some long conversations and I would say some of those conversations were 95, 90, maybe even 99% non-business related. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think the relationship, the good relationships didn't skip a beat. On the contrary, I would say I formed very few new relationships during COVID. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how did it fare on the new relationship front for you, for you both really? For me, it was tough. And like I said, I can just off the top of my head, maybe one or two that panned out. Lots of introductions and stuff like that. But I think it was just hard to connect. Not traveling was beneficial to me on a personal level. But you do see over time, even with people that you know and work with all the time, like not seeing them face to face and not having a meal or a drink together, or a cup of coffee, it does something for that human interaction in person. So trying to build trust virtually 100% is really, at least for me, is really hard to do. Yeah. I think going into COVID, having everything be remote, I, from my approach, I had to double down on my relationships, really trying to continue to nurture the ones that already existed. And then, you know, selfishly reaching out to some of those existing connections and asking, you know, Hey, who else do you know? Are you hearing anything else? Here's a challenge that we're seeing. Are you hearing anybody that's having similar challenges? Could you help me make a connection there? And, you know, really kind of putting it out there and asking for help. And that's where I saw the fruits of my labor, if you will, in building those relationships, but it was tough. You know, it still is tough. You know, people still want to be virtual, but like Brian, I will say, I somewhat benefited from that, right? Yeah. You know, I'm mom of three young kids. I have, you know, my husband works full-time as well. And it took a lot of the stress off of that balance. And I hate the term balance because that doesn't exist, but the, the chaos that is um, the, the world that I currently live in. So, you know, I think we adapted. A lot of people had to adapt. It, it is what it is. And we're still adapted. And that's, I feel like even we're 
even we're almost three years into this, we're still adapting because as you mentioned, now it's sort of going backwards. Now we're adapting to go back. And as much fun as that sound, there's still people that do not feel safe, et cetera. And I, for one, respect those feelings and respect the fact that people don't want to meet in person, et cetera, but we're still adapting. 100%. Yeah, it, it just, we were, my wife and I were talking about this the other night. In the beginning of COVID, it was like, we got to get back to normal. When do we get back to normal? And now people are saying, no, it's time to get back to what that normal was. And we're like, eh, maybe not fully back to that normal. Can we have <laughs> a, a little bit of a happy medium here? So and we're experiencing that even in our organization. And again, like Angel said, we respect people's personal choices. We don't force, if you have a health concern or safety concern, obviously we don't force you to come in the office, but we are putting an emphasis on, you know, a hybrid work environment where we spend a couple of days in the office together and a few days at home and adding that flexibility to people's lives and work life. I know you don't like the name, but work-life balance, or at least trying to you know, sway it from one side to another when you need the pendulum where you need it. But again, we have a lot of resistance where people are saying, I don't ever want to come back in the office. And we have different conversations with them just to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if anything, it's probably made us a lot more relaxed and a lot more understanding of others and and everything that's going on in their lives. Like Caitlin was saying, I mean, it, do, it doesn't just have to be the sickness part of it, right? The COVID part of it. It can be just mother that has a newborn child that just came to the world less than a year ago. And so now you're worried about daycare, et cetera. So it, if anything, it's made us more aware of our surroundings and everybody else's surroundings. So to wrap up this conversation, what tips on nurturing relationships could you provide to our listeners? Yeah, I think uh, one, Caitlin hit on it. You have to be intentful about maintaining your relationships all relationships and I've been married for a long time <laughs> and you're even, a very wonderful woman by the yeah, way <laughs> She's I, I married up there's no doubt about that <laughs> but you know we learned pretty early on you have to invest in your relationship if you want it to work and you know we've been dating for 30 years and 27 and some change married so but we still do date night we still invest and put time into our relationship and I think that's true of any meaningful relationship that's built on trust. So I'd say one, you have to do it on purpose. And then two, own your crap. I mean, we didn't talk about that, but that is another distinguishing factor in Caitlin and I's relationship. Things go wrong. Like there's no perfect relationship. There's no perfect project. There's no perfect product. So when things go wrong, we just have a real conversation and we own our pieces and we figure out how to make it right and how to best to move forward. The blame game only delays the inevitable, which is you have to fix the problem. So I, those two things. And then, you know, we've already talked a lot about trust and transparency. You have to be honest with each other and supporting. I would add to that. I'm trying to think of the best way to spell this out. But, you know, I mentioned about not chasing the, sh the short-term gains, right? I think going into it and genuinely enjoying the relationship, right? Getting to know the person on the other side, getting to know that they are a human, that they have family, that I have seen Brian's house and I've seen the construction projects and everything that they've done. We've talked about vacuum cleaners and different, you know, a whole bunch of random things, but I think we enjoy that relationship and that partnership. And it's not the business opportunity that comes from that is kind of an, an add-on, right? I mean, yep. it, it's what Mosher pays me to do, but I would still hold that relationship, even if that was not 
the intent of my day job, right? Um, so I think looking at it from that perspective, as opposed to what am I going to get? When am I going to get it? How much am I going to get? And so forth is that's just not a winning strategy, right? You have to love that relationship. And I think, you know, one of the hardest lessons I had to learn in my career was when to figure out that you're in a toxic relationship, right? When it's not a partnership and sometimes you are better to walk away and say no, right? Our team, it's not fair for our team to be put in that kind of situation, right? Regardless of the you know monetary outcome in my commission check, it's just not good business for us to do. And so walking away from bad relationships is sometimes the best thing and knowing when to do that, right? And then continuing to nurture the ones that are good, that are respectful, that are partnerships and not just a you know vendor kind of relationship, if you will. Yeah, you two hit on very key points, um, especially Caitlin on what you just said about being able to walk away from something that you know is not going to be beneficial for you, you know, as an individual or for the partnership in general. So that's that's a great piece of advice for anybody. And then Brian mentioned something that he's right we didn't talk about a lot was to owning your craft. If you want that partnership to grow, right, you have to demonstrate that you are the owner of that craft. And it's very hard to do that when you're not. That's why we put out there our professionals or experts. And we don't mean to say it in a, in a rub it in your face way. It's because we do. We train our people to become the experts in what they do. And if you want to be successful, like Brian said, you have to own your craft. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the points that they made was relationships can open doors but they don't close deals. That's right. That's where the expertise and level of service comes into play. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Yeah, it's very nice being in the business development world, knowing that I have the, the caliber and of people behind us. You know, my running joke is my job is to put smart people in a room together and I am not one of them, right? I let them get in the room. They do their thing. They talk. I write up the paperwork, redline it, right? Like, oh, you had a spelling error there. But, you know, for the most part, it's our team that really executes and drives the value in what we do. I mean, Brian, you know, I, in a past organization, I did not have the team behind me. And there were times that I had to come to Brian and say, you need to go somewhere else. We're not going to execute on this, right? Like it pains me to say that, but we can't handle this for you. And it's yeah. not because we shouldn't be able to, it's because we just don't have the expertise behind it. Yeah, our partnership with Mosier has grown, one, because of the introduction between Caitlin and I, but that expertise, I don't even remember the first project we brought you guys in for, but- You had a, project, Jira was broken. Yes, Jira was broken. <laughs> Jira was broken. So it started very narrowly focused with Jira, but then my team saw the capabilities and the expertise and the next problem that came wasn't brian saying call caitlin and Mosier. it was my team saying hey can we call caitlin at Mosier to help with this situation that we think we have well they were probably saying call marcus because marcus is the brains behind it but yes marcus reed did phenomenal work and our team has continued to just yeah. execute and do great great work there which i am so so proud of and you um, should be yep well, and on that note, shout out to Marcus Reed, who's been a guest on this podcast as well. But Caitlin, Brian, it was great to have you today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening into this week's edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. We hope you enjoyed listening to Brian Gray and Caitlin Karvasky talk to us about value in the vendor-client relationship. 
Join us next time when we continue to dive deeper with our resident experts and what they're currently working on. Remember to send us your ideas or topics via our social media feeds. In the meantime, please remember to give us a rating and subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, a relationship can open doors, but not close deals. So long, everybody. Oh